started to change and I started to pick up some, quite a bit of telephone counselling and then gradually people are getting used to the idea of doing this. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can uh, fit in more appointments. <laughs> yeah. I could do the baby dressing gown as well. That's a yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can wear no trousers, Chris. And no other <laughs> You can just have your slippers on. This is Things Can Only Get Greater, the podcast where we discuss how small changes can make a big difference in fighting the climate crisis. With me, Victoria Cook and Adam Costello. Welcome to Things Can Only Get Greta. Today's episode is all about mental health and we've got an absolutely brilliant uh, person on the podcast today, Chris Taylor, who's going to be talking to us all about mental health. Yeah, and uh, in yeah. particular, anxiety, I suppose. Yes, yeah. yeah, 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 anxiety. So Adam, I just want to take this opportunity to check in with you. Mm-hmm. How's your mental health? Uh, actually, I mean, it's a total coincidence, but this week my mental health and anxiety um, went totally crazy um, because we had the Sunday, I reckon there was like a massive build-up um, to Sunday's announcement where Boris Johnson, you know, like I think everyone pretty much tuned into that one. It's one of those where it's like the lockdown's going to end and there's going to be announcements and everyone's expecting it to be good news, but... Um, so we waited in, in anticipation, which probably built up like loads yeah. of people's anxiety and like, oh my God, what's he going to say? Did you feel worried that week? I didn't feel worried, but when he when he spoke, when I watched it and he spoke and everything, it was just like, I was like, I actually thought at the end of it, it was like, oh man, he's actually, he's, re- he's really good, isn't he? He's really good at like uh, delivering what he just delivered. Mm. But I just found it like, when I, when I digested it a bit, I just found it like, what 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 on earth did he actually say? Well, he, it, he did say a lot of things, yeah. and none of them really made any sense, yeah. and they were all quite contradictory. Yeah. But you're right, he did say it in a really good way yeah. that made you like, oh, oh yeah, hey, oh I, Boris. Yeah, in fact, I'm actually talking about Boris. Well, quickly, I, I want to say this because it's quite funny. Mm. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Extinction Rebellion in a minute about what they're doing with the cycle cycle lanes in Manchester. Um, but like I heard a story about Boris Johnson um, that through Extinction Rebellion during one of their protests, like pre-Corona and everything, um, I don't even know if he was prime minister, but um, they all he was just by pure coincidence he was in the same cafe as where they were, and they all uh, put their hands on his body and started like praying for him, what? and he started crying. <gasps> Um, and he and uh, he had this like crazy moment, and uh, he just like hugged them all and like what? Uh, yeah 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 is this like, serious yeah this is totally totally serious, um, and he said to his girlfriend like where where did these people come from did they come from the earth, and Extinction Rebellion were like this is an amazing moment, um, and this I reckon this is probably six months ago but hang on ju- where else would they have come from <laughs> the earth what uh, what. What yeah. did he mean by that? I think just because he was so, like, couldn't believe it. Do you think um, he was having a breakdown? Well, I don't know, but I reckon with him um, that there is, like, a human side. Like, the, the thing that comes across about him, which really does work, uh, like, when he gave that speech on Sunday, is mm. that he does come across, like, human and has emotions. Um, so it can be really dangerous in the way yeah. that he can deliver a message and that what so what happened on Sunday it was like by the end of it you were just thinking like actually that was really great you know he's made me feel pretty good about everything quite positive about the whole situation mm. but then you the realize, next day you realize yeah. it's like this is totally 
insane. <laughs> Completely, and, yeah. Yeah, sorry. And, so And actually really, really dangerous. Yeah, so sorry, going back to like your original question um, about anxiety, I think with that making me all confused and feeling mental, I suppose, then the sun, the, the Monday, it's like you're reading loads of stuff and I just got myself into a total so- social media, crazy bubble news, um, throw, you know, posting crazy stuff on Facebook about the politics of it all. I know, I've just got to point out, when you were posting that crazy stuff, I was reading that crazy stuff, and I was like, what? Like, I I wasn't sure if you'd been hacked. It's, like, so unlike you, you know, because normally you're, like, so funny and really clever, and I'm not saying you weren't, but you were... Some of the stuff you were posting was, like, very negative, Mm, and you just weren't yourself at all. Oh, man, yeah. So I reckon it was, like, in a crazy way, it was, like, some sort of mad anxiety attack. Yeah. All, like, fueled by the whole situation. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, for anticipation. So I, like, came out of that that bubble, Mm. like, the next day or today, even, maybe... And then we've gone on to speak to Chris uh, Taylor, who's the guest on the podcast that you'll listen to today. Um, Pure coincidence uh, that we're now talking about anxiety um, and in particular climate change anxiety and the pandemic anxiety that's all wrapped into one, really. Well, we, we, we do sort of tap into that, don't we? Because I think you made a really interesting point at the beginning when we started talking to Chris when you said we were going to ask you about pandemic uh, so we were going to ask you about climate change anxiety but in actual fact anxiety is anxiety isn't it Mm. you know which I thought was actually a really really good point Mm. because anxiety doesn't matter where it comes from it Mm. comes for you and it's not necessarily because of any one thing is Mm -hmm. it it can be anything or nothing even where it comes from um, I think there are a lot of people that uh, might get a bit of help from today's podcast because Chris is just brilliant at really sort of laying it out on the line. Um, and, you know, despite the fact that we're being told people with mental health issues at the moment seem to be cracking on pretty well. They're doing all right. Yeah, yeah. He, the big point, I mean, let's let the guys listen to it, but one of the points was that Chris makes is that because of the time that we've now been given due to the pandemic, people with mental health issues before this, which are associated with stress and like everyday life of what it was like pre-lockdown, uh, um, are actually in a really good place because they've had a break from mm. the craziness of real life. and. And that does all wrap into uh, climate change because no one wants to go back to the uh, the normal because the normal pre this whole pandemic was the problem in the first place. So hopefully us as humans can use this to pave a new green future, which might nicely get us into talking about bicycles. So yeah, bicycles. Bicycles are the next toilet roll. apparently um no one can get hold of one but we all want one although i'll be honest with you right i totally and utterly see the benefits of riding your bicycle so basically boris johnson has said people going back to work just try and stay away from public transport right and from what we know public transport is a really bad place for transmitting germs to each other um, so bicycles are the next option, which mm. is brilliant. This is what we want, right? This is what we're pushing for, exactly that. But the problem is, how safe is it 
to rely on a bicycle on the roads in Britain? And also, what do you do when you've got helmet hair <laughs> once you get to your location? What? I mean, oh, they're, my, they're my two concerns. <laughs> takes a long time to blow dry this, you know? Uh, yeah. So uh, what do you think? First of all, let's come to the bicycle lanes. Yeah, so I guess like the problem is in this country, it's not set up at all really for bikes and it's like seems a very dangerous place i mean i'm i'd be pretty scared to jump on a bike and trap and cycle to manchester from here yeah well i mean it is a canny that's a that's a canny journey that isn't it but it's a really good mixture of roads so you've got loads of country lanes between us and manchester and then the city itself which does have bicycle lanes yeah but still they, they seem quite small in some places they're better than others there seems no rhyme or reason to them and statistically london has a huge rate of bicycle accidents on the roads every year so it's not it's not really that safe is it although it's so much better for the environment you're risking your life yeah to get to work and i mean no job's that good <laughs> yeah um so yeah really hopefully that this bit pandemic and the push from the government even saying that you need to get on your bike to get to work um will mean that they have to make it a safer place uh, for us to use our bikes mm. um so extinction rebellion are yeah they're so on the 17th of may which is on a sunday i think uh, in manchester extinction rebellion are having a big socially distanced bike ride so you can go and protest with them um, basically about getting the city centre, uh, the bike lanes extended, made much bigger, so the city is safe to cycling, because it's really not at all yeah. at the minute. I mean, that that is what we're pushing for, is mm -hmm. definitely more bike lanes, bigger bike lanes, uh, less unattractive men in Lycra, and, and that's the goal, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, and pedestrian, I can't say the word. <laughs> so we need pedestrianisation as well as the widening of the bicycle lanes yeah. and definitely the widening of paths because, you know, after quarantine especially, yeah. my bum is considerably larger than it was <laughs> beforehand. So even just for me to get down the street, oh you know, we're get, it's going to take some hefty changes. Mm, yeah, because like most of our pavements are like maybe two people, two persons wide. Yeah. Um, so how can we social distance? Absolutely. And at the moment, I don't know about you, but when I'm walking down the path and see somebody else, I have to walk into the middle of the road to yeah, avoid yeah, them. Totally. And that's not good. No, especially, I mean, it was all right when the roads were super quiet, but they're going to obviously start getting more busy now as things start to open. So we can't really be expected to be forced into the road. In the to, dodging traffic yeah. to socially distance. So they need to sort the pavements out. Yeah, and if what when we when we interviewed um, Alana Sheikh last week, she mentioned that we, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, uh, but we are probably going to be looking at more pandemics coming our way with mm. deforestation and the discovery of new animals, new species that we've not come into contact before who are going to be carrying viruses that we are then going to get infected by. So, you know, if things continue, which we hope they're not going to, the possibility of this happening again is really high. So just looking to the future, really a widened path, a widened bicycle lane isn't just for Christmas. 
it's oh, forever. It's just like exactly what all anyone to do with climate change has been harping on about for years and years and years. Yeah. And like it's just crazy, like especially in this country that we're still like so like ten, twenty years behind like loads of other countries in Europe. Like you go to um Amsterdam and like there's mm. literally bikes like absolutely everywhere and that's what that's their main mode of transport. Um, so. Well, yeah, actually, one, I know I talk about this all the time, but one of the things that struck us when, when I went to Venice, right, yeah. was the age of people riding bikes over there. Oh, like, yeah. you know, like people in their 60s and 70s just like riding bikes all over Venice. And But can you think about how much healthier people would be mm. as well? So many benefits like, from oh. for, for us going in that direction. Um, yeah. So... Get yourself, like, you know, a nice flag for the back, a cool bell, and jazz your bike up. Get some of those. Can you remember those, um, the, the, the bread tags that you used to put on your on your wires you on your bike and they would, uh, make a crazy noise as they went round yeah, yeah get some of them on there what about some peewee herman uh, tassels <laughs> that come out the handlebars that would be great and like a horn that goes <laughs> when you beep it yes. I mean that is what I'm looking forward the future. to that is the future um, and speaking of the future well it was the past we interviewed Chris Taylor Yes. Counselor extraordinaire. Yeah, he's kind of, he's like a bit of an expert on anxiety. So He's amazing. Yeah, we originally got him on to talk about climate change anxiety, but it turned into a lot more than that, uh, as you'll discover in the podcast. We, yeah, you'll well, hear You'll the, hear why. The discussion that we you can listen to now. Yes, enjoy. Enjoy. Chris, we're going to totally pick your brain about anxiety today okay. and specifically anxiety in a pandemic like we're in at the moment okay and um and i think we're sort of interested in how it taps into other mental health and if it does we don't know so you're you're the brain and we're just we're just gonna pick at you if that's all right don't pick away we'll pick away we'll pick away initially we we're going to talk about climate change anxiety and i think you actually mentioned that you didn't want to necessarily talk about that which when you said that, it got me thinking like, what is like anxiety overall? And I, I'm i a sufferer from anxiety as like tons and tons of people are. Um, so I know exactly what how it happens and what it is. Um, but what when you said like that you didn't want to talk about climate change anxiety, it made, yeah, it made me think that like anxiety is actually just one big thing. It doesn't matter what it's actually about. Like, labeling it climate change anxiety or pandemic anxiety it's actually like one big thing that we've all got to, that that one person's got to manage um so yeah i guess like just talk about like what first of all like what is anxiety to people that don't even think they've got it or well actually you could sort of explain this to me because i don't think yeah I've well got it's like it. Vic doesn't know she's she's never thinks that she has ever had it and Whereas I'm like, oh my god, I know exactly what it is. Like, and it's like this beast, horrible thing that I kind of have to manage all the time. But so, so uh, yeah, what is it? <laughs> how how can you show someone that doesn't know what it what it is? Yeah. Right. Okay. Look, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Okay. What is anxiety? Um, well, it's like well, it's in it's totally invisible. I think it's one of those things that's like. Uh, it's strange because it's like a physical feeling but it's also invisible it's not like a cancer which you know 
if you were to open up your body, you could actually see the cancer in your body. But anxiety is like, um, from what I think it is, it's something in your head that you that takes over in your brain and then it makes your body physically react to whatever you're thinking about. What you were saying, Adam, when you, when, in your little sort of introduction sort of um, question, what you were saying, you were saying about you realise that anxiety is one big thing, and I think that's very astute of you. Yes, it is one big thing. But what do you think, the question I suppose that I'm, I'm fishing for a little bit is, what do you think is the source of anxiety? Any type of anxiety, be it social, be it the pandemic, um, be it health, what do you think lies at the source of all anxiety? Uh, worry. Worry and? Um, well, this is where I struggle a little bit, is like worry about the future or the past, I suppose. Um, but yeah, worry and kind of that, I don't know, like for me, it's like, because it's physical, it's like the thing that takes over you physically and I don't like that. So it's like, since that starts to happen, that's one that's one side effect of it but really what i'm getting at is at the heart of all anxiety lies one nasty little thing that we all carry that we all carry around with us and it's fear at the the end of it it's 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 no trick question it's as simple as that right at the middle of any anxiety anybody who comes to me that has anxiety will ultimately once you start chiseling down a little bit it's fear it's fear of something (sighs) It's either fear of something that's happened to them in the past. It's either fear of something that might happen to them in the future. But it's fear. It's always the same thing. The root cause of all anxiety. I would say, and I'll stick my neck on the line, I'll say, the root cause of all anxiety is fear. But how do you then differentiate between... Because, like, I get scared of things, um, but I wouldn't say, like, I worry about them all the time. I might get scared and then it sort of, like, goes away. And then I might think about it a bit, but like, that's not anxiety. So what then tips it over into something that's like, well, labelled, I suppose? Well, let, let, let's start with where you are. I mean, it's easy to start really where you is. So what, why do you think your fear doesn't tip over into anxiety? I think because I'm really forgetful. So, <laughs> so, oh, I forgot I'm frightened. <laughs> I get really worried. I get really worried if I spend like a couple of minutes and I go, man, this could be the end of everything. And then, you know, I'll get distracted by something on the internet and then <laughs> don't think about it. But like, uh, no, I, I mean, I suppose, yeah, I'm having a laugh, but like, actually that is part of it. I think I, think I do sort of like shut things down because I think, well, there's no point worrying about that because there's nothing you can do. So exactly. just wait and see. What you, your, your way of dealing with anxiety and your way of dealing with fear is, ultimately, I'll write it off and I won't dwell on it. Mm. Uh, that's the point, and really, that, I suppose that's where we're going. That's the next point, isn't it? It's where you go with it and how you deal with your anxiety. Now, you can deal with that in quite a reasonable fashion that works for you. Some people can't yeah some people find that really difficult i bet adam would find that very difficult just to put it on a shelf and say forget about it (laughs) yeah it's a weird one yeah the fear thing for me is a strange one as well because like i i think i might have told you about i I do a lot (coughs) i do a lot of surfing and a lot of our actual listeners on the podcast will be surfers or people that do outdoors um 
activities which involves fear which involves like adrenaline and that sort of fear factor so sometimes when i'm surfing and a big wave is there or you're close to the rocks there's a massive fear factor but that doesn't uh, spark my anxiety it actually probably um extinguishes that anxiety but my anxiety exists when i'm just everyday life like, so in that if you took that in that in that circumstance why does why is why is your anxiety extinguished um i'm not sure is, is it because the control is actually taken out of his hand so like if he's going to also it's the one one of the good ways of actually dealing with anxiety you're in the present you hmm. have to be reactive. Yeah, you can't yeah, yeah. be frightened of it. You've That's got it, to yeah. do something. Yeah, so you yeah. cannot be frightened of it. Um, let's put it another, I could put it another way. I think that everything that we have to deal with basically divides up into three chunks, the past, the present, and the future. So where do, where's fear in that lot? I, don't, I think it's in both, isn't it? Because you've got experiences from the past and you've also got fears about the future that, 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 there's an element of truth in that but in reality it's happened there's not much we can do about it it's done it's gone it's over done with yeah gone. so there's not much we can do about that so there's no point in about that really um in the present as you've just mentioned this wave's crack this wave is crashing at me this this wild animal's running down the road i think i better do something about this no yeah. chance no chance to be fear it's, it's like I mean, I've worked with um, ex-soldiers and ex-soldiers will say, I wasn't brave. It wasn't brave. I just had to react. I had to do something mm -hmm. at that moment in time. I saw I fought. So what clicks in is I follow my training. I do my training. So I've got, you know, I've worked with a guy who did have a VC. He got a VC. He said, I wasn't brave. <laughs> he said, I was not brave. He said, I was following my, I was following orders, following training. This vehicle blows up. I have to get my comrades out. That I said that, that wasn't. He said there was there's no there's no such. He said there was no such thing as bravery. It was just reaction. He was in that moment. He had no alternative. So I don't think you know the waves crashing at you. I don't think that is that's why you're not frightened then because you're going to react. Yeah. Fear is. I I would always I would contend that fear is always in the future. Okay. It always lives in the future. It's what we do. It's what we do because it's fear is really the unknown, isn't it? As well, it's also the unknown. Yeah. What's What's actually going to happen? That I think is where people start to really worry. As you said, you know, you you know, you worry. They ruminate. They get anxious. That's where it is. With the past and the present, forget about it. it doesn't matter. <clears throat> Anxiety is right up there. You know, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like the training thing side of it, that massively um, makes sense to me now. So because of my experience of surfing, let's say I've done it for you know 20 years or whatever, I kind of know what to do in that situation. So it's like I'm trained to know what to do to avoid getting crushed by a wave or whatever. Um, so therefore, yeah, it's like it's, it's almost like when you've got the anxiety and you're going through it, it's like you need to in some way engage in some sort of training to kind of stop it from happening or i'm not sure about that i mean i mean that that was in it that was a particular instance i mean i think it was probably the most um dramatic i've possibly ever yeah. dealt with. uh but i think generally speaking even now 
I can't be frightened of what's happening now at this moment in time because I've got to be reactive. I've got to, you're going to ask me a question and I'm going to have to react to it. There's no chance, there's no, I'm actually, oddly enough, not going to get nervous or frightened because all I've got to do, I know the next thing I've got to do is think, he's going to ask me a question, what am I going to say? Uh, how am I going to answer that? So there's no time to be frightened. Yeah. yeah. There's no time because you are in, you know, it's this thing about sort of, um, it's this thing about meditation and, and mindfulness. If you're in the moment, if you're just focusing on that one thing, everything else moves out of focus. So yeah. you don't so you don't have to worry about everything else. All you're focusing on is that is that leaf in the garden or whatever. That's oh, it. Yeah. That moment. I, I actually yeah, I sort of get that with sport, like um yeah. sort of like uh, boxing or running or anything like that. So you're so engaged in it, you just not really thinking about anything else. That's it. I mean it's a very good example, you know, sport sports I mean a lot of sports people you would do meditation as well because it's it's really, really focuses you you know and a lot of uh, martial arts and all the rest of it they yeah. will say you he's you, 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 fo focusing on that moment that moment that you're there is the, is the important point it's not all the rest of it that's quite irrelevant it's where the end of your stick is and whatever that's the point you need to be focusing on mm. everything else are everything you else is irrelevant you're usually holding a stick is that what you mean well, you know what I mean? <laughs> it could be whatever. It could be whatever. But I mean, if you were doing one of those martial arts where you need a stick, you know, you will be focusing on where that stick is. I think you're confusing martial arts with street fighting there, Chris. Watch <laughs> out, you passed out. Um, <laughs> do you know what? I want to tap into something though, because what you're saying there is really interesting. Um, I've been reading a few articles that said people who, who normally suffer with anxiety are finding this actually, they're not anxious. <laughs> going through like the process of lockdown, and um, obviously not everybody, but just from what I've read, I wonder, is that because, you know, they've already been through this in their head and now it's happening, they're reacting in the moment? Or, or why do you think that is? Well, it might be, but on the other hand, I mean, I've got, I'm working with a client at the, just at the moment. And um, one of the things that, one of the comments that she made, which I think is really, really pertinent to this discussion, is for the first moment in her life she's been able to take a pause a break and she's been able to think about what it is that's important to her uh, she's now taking stock of really what is valuable um and i mean that could be anything it could be your life it could be your career it could be your own mortality but the one thing it has done is give people time to do to think about and reflect on what is really important to them. Um, so in one respect, apart from the environment, which is obviously done some benefits for as well, giving people that time and that opportunity has actually not been a bad thing because I think most of us, we've spent far, much, far too much time running around thinking how important we are, how we have to be at this meeting, how we have to do this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, yet, this has made us stop and think and take stock. And I think that generally has done no harm whatsoever. In fact, it's something I would say, you know, well, I think, you know, maybe it's a good idea to reflect on that. You know, when you're in therapy, this has actually made, in ways, made people do that. Yeah. Because, this, because this person, this person said, you know, I mean, she's 70 plus, but she said, um, you know, 
I've realized that you're sort of, I'm almost at the full stop of my life and I've got like two chapters of my life to go. What do I want to do with that time? Yeah, yeah. yeah I can yeah. T totally echo that. Like that's the, the biggest thing that I got from it at the very beginning. Like uh, I like, so I've been wanting to live like in the moment, you know, inverted commas for so long and kind of known about that. And sort of that's what I've been trying to get to. But lockdown just immediately helped me actually practice that properly and do it and I remember being sat outside when it's been really sunny with Huey and the boys and the kids and Victoria and like just thinking like this is like the first time that I've actually slowed down and I can appreciate what I've got in front of me and and, and it just totally and it was like a light bulb moment and I was like this is totally it this is what life should really be about my life before that was exactly what you just said done Chris it's like you're running around thinking you know the most important thing and you know like you've got to do all these things i'm trying to do this business over here like solve all these issues <coughs> excuse me and it was like i wasn't happy at the end of the day i think like i was just over you know just totally stressed out and yeah it's just this complete slowdown it's like shit i can this that's i don't want that life anymore i want the, the life that, that you know the, i found out what's more important so i mm. totally agree like what what, what it's actually done but, but actually, sorry, just to hop in there, I think for me it's been the opposite and it's made me realise I want to be as far away from the family as possible. That moment that I just described was at the very beginning of lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> We've passed that now. We're over there. You're long past that bit. I think there's a, there's a bit of a mantra here you can sort of put in because I think this is what, what we... What we tend to do is we as human beings we tend to look out we tend to look out really we should be looking in we should be mm. looking in ourselves and then what do we need so you know so stop looking out look in what do i need and you know i think if you just sort of hold that little bit in your head uh i also think a lot of stress will actually sort of dissipate yeah. in the process because it's really at the end of the day you know we do have a choice and it's what do i need at the end of the day totally. but, you know, there's, no, there's nothing there's nothing you know there's nothing strange about it it's, you know we, we we're too focused on the stuff that in a way we're too focused on the stuff that hurts us so we look at the news and it frightens the living daylights out of us and all the rest of it well don't look at it, mm -hmm. don't look at it. that hurts you don't you don't you you know don't go down that road you've yeah. got a choice that, that's sort of where we're at at the minute yeah. because one of the things yeah. I did want to ask you about was so you know we've heard a bit about anxiety but how much of that can then trigger other mental health issues that maybe you're aware of or you know you might have got over got past you know can this situation now start triggering other mental health issues and if so, like, what, what do you do about that? By and large, um, and I can really, I mean, obviously I can only talk from a sort of very limited sample uh, of people that I've sort of come into contact during this. And I think it, it'll be, it, you know, history will have to write this story because we'll have to see what happens at the end of this, really. But mm -hmm. by and large, it doesn't seem to have had a bad effect on mental health or people with mental health issues in, in fact quite the reverse it seems to have, like i say it seems to have given them a breather um 
So it doesn't seem to have had a terribly bad effect on mental health. Where it does seem to be having an, an effect, and I think there's, no, there's actually no doubt about it, is alcoholism has risen. It's risen by about 33%. Um, so that is certainly, it certainly had a bad effect on that. I think it's had more social effects than it's had mental health effects. And domestic violence has, has, has peaked. It's really, really... Uh, yeah. even where I even where I live there have been examples of it which is uh, you know sort of when it's that close to you it starts to shock you a little bit but yeah. um, domestic violence is increasing and I think really what we're looking at is not so much mental health as environmental factors okay. uh, and it's where things were bad to start off with and they're now worse yeah. uh, whereas mental health strangely enough doesn't seem to have been particularly one of those factors that's made it's made a lot of difference to if i say if anything quite the reverse it's taken the pressure off a little bit so quite a few people have said to me, i feel so much less i feel so less stressed now uh, and actually i quite like working from home because nobody's looking over my shoulder uh there's actually it's strange that that doesn't seem to that doesn't seem to be the the issue the issues seem to be um social and i think when when we do get to write the history of this. I think yeah, I think that will be the big, those will be the big warning signs. It's the effect it has on society as a whole. If it's if it's a bit faulty to start off with, it's not going to get any better. This isn't going to happen. It's sort of like a magnifying glass. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. yeah. It's like a caricature. It becomes almost a caricature. You know, yes, alcohol was always an issue. Now it's an even bigger issue. Yeah, and yeah, in terms of domestic violence, we've been keeping an eye on that. And um, you know, where where there's alcoholism, I think that always propels domestic violence. Well, I mean, well. inevitably, because I mean, you know, any 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 drug, and let's not say alcohol is just another drug, uh, will will lessen your inhibitions. So yeah, yeah. that's always going to be yeah, that's good. Yeah, we experienced that with the VE Day celebrations on our street, with uh, everyone getting really, really drunk and uh, hugging each other by the end of the night and social distancing. <laughs> I'm going to point out here: we at the end of social distancing. <laughs> we we live on the world's best street, right? They're so great. Our neighbours are brilliant. Um, so on VE Day, we had like a massive party, and um, you know, actually, I felt a bit sort of like I think I've not spoken to anyone other than Adam and the kids for ages. I felt really weird about going outside, you know, a bit like an alien, <laughs> like that's just like crash landed. I, I can identify with that because um, I had to go, uh, I had to go because my, my bank shut, the, the nearest bank. Davis Branch was Cheadle. I had to go to Cheadle. Cheadle's the furthest place I've been to in seven weeks. Yeah. I felt completely angered. It felt very, really strange. The roads were empty. I get to that. Everybody's, everybody in Cheadle seems to be wearing masks. Uh, and I felt like I was sort of, I just didn't belong somehow. It was really, a, a, a really strange. But I think those are the sort of, those are going to be the, the the effects we're going to sort of have to look at later in a way, you know, because I know exactly what you mean. It felt, I just felt like an alien. And, and of all the places to break your seven week isolation, you know, Cheadle. That's the furthest I've been in, in seven weeks. Oh, man. Yeah, I, 
you know, with the Google, you know, with Google Maps send their little thing about telling you where you've been and all the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the highlights, I, I had two pictures, the highlights of Wimslow, <laughs> the, parish, the parish church and Sainsbury's. <laughs> wow. Oh man, you really went, into it though, haven't you? I went into Sainsbury's and said, do you realise Google says you're a highlight? <laughs> <laughs> Well, they do have a nice fruit and veg section. <laughs> That's it. That's been my life. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, one of the things that I'm struggling with currently that's happened to me is, uh, and I've even come up with like a medical name for it myself, I think, um, but I've called it a social media meltdown, <laughs> SMM. Um, so basically, like, obviously, we are all stuck at home now and kind of like social media, I, I imagine has gone like, you know, percentage wise, everyone's just on social media and using WhatsApp and WhatsApp groups, using Zoom, um, we're all online. Um, and then it's really, really hard to also escape the media hysteria around what's been going on. Um, and I've been living in, in like a bit of a wave of like bubbles of like euphoric bubbles where I'm not looking at the news and enjoying the outside where we live, enjoying the kids or whatever. And then I go online and look at social media, look at the news. And for me, it kind of like came to a massive crescendo on Monday after Boris Johnson announced on Sunday and Monday. And I've just completely got like overtaken by it all. I've, I've put like crazy political posts on Facebook. And like one of the things that I promised I'd never, I'd never do was like, post stupid posts about politics on Facebook but couldn't help myself and got really kind of angry and wrapped up in it all and then sort of came out of came out of it I mean the alarm bells when mum, uh, happened when my mum texted me and said are you okay I'm really worried about you because she saw the, the message that I put on Facebook and, and, and I was in the other room secretly reading all of this stuff he was writing on social media thinking I'm not going to go and uh, disturb him at the minute I'll leave him to it um so Obviously, there's tons of people that are doing the same. I know I'm not like unique or anything, um, but then I, kept, I kind of came out of it and I'm like, Jesus, man, what am I doing? Um, so, and that's like massively like that was just it felt like it was a a whole anxiety attack, I suppose, that was happening and completely all in my own head. And now, and now I've come out of it and able to talk about it. Um, what What do you think like about social media? and the news and how do you manage not getting into that, uh, what do you call it? Um, I don't know how-, how The whole, the, the whole, whole how, do you, how do you stop media. like falling down that hole? It's a trap, isn't it? It's a trap. trap. Yeah. yeah. It's a trap. Um, in a way, it's sort of, it's the first, we were almost back to the beginning with anxiety, aren't we? Because it's the first, yeah. the first bit of anxiety, really. It's yeah. the bit that I would say, if I had to sort of divide it up, I'd say, it's the place where we're operating from fear. Mm -hmm. We operate from fear. This is the this is the core. This is I think what's sort of the core of anxiety, and I think there are things that we we need to we need to recognise here. We, you know we need to rec recognise our emotions and our emotions that are related to fear and anger. We need to be aware of those, and we have to try and avoid them if we possibly can. This is what you can do for yourself. Um, and some of the ways that manifests itself are 
uh, I mean, I was actually stood in the queue outside saying, this, God, they should give me a they should give me some discount, I think. I've mentioned them several times now. Uh, but I was stood in the queue outside saying, this, uh, you know, a good two metres apart. And there were a couple behind me and they were complaining about the fact they had to queue. Now that's, when people start doing this, what, what, I, what I call lack of normal choices, sort of complaining, that insights anguish in yourself uh you know you're doing it to yourself there um you know you what you should you know what i would suggest you did was stop and think actually this is for my this is for my benefit and for everybody else's benefit but no we're complaining that we can't just wander in and that's another thing you know uh, and another thing i think we we do sometimes when we're frightened and we create anxiety for ourselves and other people is we don't check out the language we use um, I mean, governments are really good at this because they they actually talk, they, if anything they play everything down so much that you don't really believe them anymore. Uh, but really, we we have to check our language. You know, if you you know oh, twenty two thousand dead, you know, the rest of it that might be true. But how do you want to scare you? you know, do you want to scare yourself, or do you want to scare other people? Um, Okay, I think I'm going off tangent a bit. <laughs> but what I mean is, all that is where we start to scare ourselves. Um, sending messages without checking their knowledge, where they've come from, you know, just promoting sort of false news, all the rest of it. Um, you fall in, you can so easily, like you did, fall into that trap. And really, you know, you're just creating your own little ball of anxiety there. Yeah. So my, my question... Rather than, rather than sort of saying right at the beginning of that, Actually, what what's what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? Um, because you can actually check yourself. You know, I think we're all more powerful than we really think we are. We can stop and say, actually, what am I doing here? Mm, yeah. Uh, right at the beginning, before you get into it. But you get well once you get into it. So I think you get sucked into it, don't you? you? Get really sucked into this, and you start reading everybody else's messages, and it just becomes a vicious cycle. Mm. I think, and I think the big problem here is that you stop thinking rationally at all uh, yeah. because panic takes over um yeah and, and the irony is we've done it to ourselves yeah. nobody <laughs> did this to us we did it to ourselves and we you know you know i mean my classic one is you know stand at the airport thinking i'm going to miss the flight i'm doing that to myself yeah, yeah. nobody's doing it to me <laughs> how do you get control of that then when it starts to escalate how do you yeah. The easiest way, the easiest, quickest way to do that is to literally, and this is the, this is the thing, is to literally say, stop, stop yourself yeah. from getting in there. That's the easiest, quickest way, is just take a big, deep breath and think, so, so what am I doing here? <laughs> because I know what I'm going to do next. Mm -hmm. And then I'm, going to, then I'm going to, you know, my mind is, you know, I missed the flight. Oh dear, how do I get another flight? How do I get a hotel? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it just escalates. So really, the idea is stop it before it starts. It's like a panic attack. If you can pull yourself back from the edge and don't go into it, mm -hmm. you'll be in a much better place to deal with it. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's really... Be aware of it. Be aware that this is what you do. This is what, what I do. You know, you can't, unfortunately, can't help everybody, but be aware of it. This is what I'm doing. And am I doing it too? Myself. Mm. 
Yeah. So, yeah my, all I'm doing is creating pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, so my, my question, and we can pull it back to like climate change, because we're talking about fear and being scared of the future, and obviously climate change and the climate crisis is something of the future. But what I find that's really important about that whole subject um, is like, what what could happen in you know in 10 years time to our climate and should we be scared and then how do we manage that like fear factor that's like you know you obviously go on social media and you see all these mimes or whatever about climate change mimes i don't know what they call it a meme memes meme a meme sounds like some um, i don't know something something mythical somehow <laughs> Some mythical creature. Anyway, sorry, I digress. All these kind of animated <clears throat> predictions and whatnot, um, which obviously taps into like your fear and your anxiety about like the whole inverted commas climate change uh, anxiety. Um, so how how do we like manage not kind of like scaring people? Um, so you, so people aren't necessarily scared, but also people are super aware to make sure that we are doing the right things to stop it from happening. Um, so it's not creating this, because I, I don't want to come across to anyone when you talk about it as scaring them and this wall of like, oh, in 10 years time, we're going to have another pandemic or like, you know, we're not going to be able to breathe or whatever. But how, how do we get around actually giving, you know, like real information, know, real information I suppose, like, but without <laughs> causing anxiety. Without causing anxiety. I know that's a hard one, but... Uh, it's a hard one. Uh, I suppose the, the, the only really answer I could sort of give to that one is really, um, is you have to stick to the facts. You know, it, it's what is what is genuinely factual information. What is information that you can substantiate? Can you actually go to the sources of that information mm. uh, and quote those sources directly? Can you get quotes from the people, you know, the, the scientists and people involved uh, yeah. written those reports? I think the more all you can really do, I mean, obviously this is, a, this is a great concern to an awful lot of people, but all you can really do is make sure that is take on the responsibility that your information is correct. Yeah. It's not just scaremongering. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and and then I mean that's that's fine, isn't it? I mean that is that is disseminating information, um, of whatever whatever issue you were talking about. That is fine. It's it's when we have these, you know, um, just you know, uh, you know, these sort of snippets, these sound bites, these headlines yeah. uh, that mean nothing. Um, if it's solid and it means something, a it's credible. Um, and then, of course, it's it's worth it's worth propagating, but otherwise, it's not. I would say it's quite the reverse. It doesn't. It just plays into people's fears. Yeah. So I would say, in essence, stick to the facts. But what are the facts here? That's fair. I mean, that's that's fair enough. It's, you know. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> um, I just wanted to ask you. So, for anyone who is in lockdown and they've got a partner with anxiety <laughs> speaking from you know any names. <laughs> any names out there chris but uh yeah i'm just sort of like wondering what can you do to support them um how can you help or even children as well you know because this is like a really anxious time for some children 
Um, what what can you do to help people and support them? What's your advice? Well, children. Well, I mean, children's an interesting one um, because. Um, that really that really is quite an interesting one it, it seems children seems to be the age is the important factor mm. i mean if you're, talking to, if you're talking about somebody who's um in their teens what seems to the pattern that seems to be developing is they stay up late gaming and they get up late and in a strange sort of way that's not terribly that's not a terrible bad thing because biologically where they are at at that moment at, you know in their teens is actually getting up late isn't actually a terrible thing and in fact so it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to affect in that uh group of children or teenagers i would say particularly badly and i can't see the long-term effects being particularly bad i'm a little bit more concerned about those that are a lot younger sort of you know between sort of between three seven and eight because mm. i think they're what they're missing out on now inevitably is the social interaction side of things yeah. uh, and i think that's incredibly important um and that's the bit i suppose that's the bit that, that seems to be from the people i've talked to as well that that's causing the greatest frustration mm. uh you know technology is brilliant it's very very good but i can't reach out and talk to you <laughs> um and that seems to be the biggest problem because these are these are really really important formative years However, after saying that, if it's if it's you know if it starts to sort of, it starts to root, flatten off a little bit and things are okay, then I can't see the damage being too great. Um, I think once what we also ticked on what we also um, touched on before is if the if the environment wasn't good before, then it's not going to be any better now. Yeah. So I think that's so that's the problem. You know, if if your home life was not good before, then it's not really going to be good now. Um, one of the positive spin-offs that um, I really like is, um, and one of my clients was telling me this, was uh, he said, "I've really got to know, I've really got to know my daughter. I've really got to know her properly for the first time because I've been so busy, so so busy at work, so tied up. Oh, finally, you know, this has given me an opportunity to actually get to know her properly. So there's, I think there's good stuff there as well. Um, I think the only problem we might have is people readjusting then to go back to school and stuff. I mean, that might be quite painful at first, but you know, it's it's, it's going to happen. So I think you know, that's something I got. I mean, I think that's regarding children. I think that's really what the it's what that's the impression I'm getting anyway at the moment. Hmm. And and so yeah, adults living with someone in lockdown. What, how can you best support them? How can, how can we help people with anxiety? I would always say, I would always say, um, to try wherever possible to be able to talk about it on both sides. Yeah. This is feeling, this is how I'm feeling, this is what's making me feel the way I am. If, I mean, that's obviously got to be, um, that's obviously got to be first, but trying to help somebody. If not, then you can always. <laughs> you know, you could always start. You know, always try and sort of talk to a therapist as well if you, if you really feel you need that extra help. But for your first person call, yeah, it's just try and support each other. But after all, that's what a relationship's about at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so so chatting, yeah. chatting to each other, a nice safe space to talk about things. Yeah. Yeah. No jumping out, shouting boop when they're not expecting it. Just 
I can't, well, I can't, I can't describe for the, um, you know, the, 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 the frightening bit, but... Um, well, I, I'm only saying that because actually that's what my daughter keeps doing to Adam. <laughs> so she keeps just leaping out from my wall, shouting, poo! And like, this is the wrong time to do that. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you're you're out, you know. I mean, it, it, it's in many ways, it's uh, it, it's it's stuff that you know that we've talked about in the past. It's safe space, safe environment. Take a deep breath. Right, this is going to be a bit painful. This is going to be a bit rough. Mm. But it needs to be out. The worst. It's just in anything in a, in an organisation or whatever. It's just if we do not talk to each other, that is when I think the problems really begin. Yeah. It's the lack of communication, rather than too much communication. I don't think you can have too much communication. You just keep talking, but wear yourself out. But the lack of it is the problem. And I think if you can if you can talk and support, that's it's. If you can talk about it. Nine times out of ten, I'd say you can get to the other side of it. Mm. Is there any last bit of advice that you could give? Anything um, we've not touched anything on. Anything we've not touched on, which we can just... Or a song? Or a, a poem? Be... <laughs> <laughs> in, in a way, we've sort of, we've jumped from sort of what... <laughs> we've jumped from the sort of the, the, the fear bit of anxiety, which sort of lies at the very heart of it. Um, and we sort of... We missed out. We missed out the operational bit in the middle, really, in a way, because I think you know, just very briefly, mm. you, there are questions you can ask you. There are questions you can ask yourself about anxiety, and and you can check it out for yourself, um, because there's what I could, what I would call the sort of the, the moving forward, the learning bit of it, and there's you know bits where the, can, can this be, you know the questions you can ask yourself can this be controlled can i control this no i can't why do i why do i want to control this other bits about the news of which we have touched on but you're not the victim here you know if that hurts then just don't go there you know yeah um and i think a really really important point with anxiety is don't reject it do not try and reject it it is not an alien inhabiting your body it really is part of you. So you work, what you're trying to do is work with it, not against it. Don't try and fight it. Because some people say to me, oh, fight it. Well, what you do? You're going to fight yourself? You're just going to take on yourself? You won't win. How can you possibly win against yourself? You cannot do that. So it's, it really is part of you. And then you can get to the point of asking yourself, what might help? You know, what, what might help me? You know, can I reflect? Do I declutter, which is a good one? Do I, how do I plan? Stuff like that. And then evaluate it. Did it work? No, it didn't work. Why didn't it work? It did work. Why did it work? But never forget to evaluate what you've done. Mm. That's a really, really important point because that's the point at which you learn, I think. Is, and we do tend to forget it. We always tend to forget. And I, I remember being, when, I was still, when I still had a proper job, you know, when I actually worked full time, it's the same. But to who evaluated it? What was, did it work? And yeah. the chances are it's never been done. And it's really, really important. And you owe it to yourself, I'd say. Mm, brilliant. Yeah. Have you heard of the Panic Away um, booklet? I think it was a PDF that got sent around. Um, but I remember it was a few years ago, but my, my mate gave it to me who was having panic attacks at the time. Um, but the essence of that, it's quite a big, long booklet thing uh, panic away but the essence of it was like um when you're having the anxiety and the panic attack you basically invite it into your 
life and you're like you know it's almost like going come on then give me as much as you of you possibly and you possibly uh, as you can and you're not fighting and you're just kind of like come on then and um bring so, it up <laughs> a strange approach rather because as soon as you start like fighting it and you're against it you know and telling it oh i'm you know like i don't want it i don't want it um then it sort of gets worse and worse but if you actually yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think as there's, there's a um, as human beings, we're conditioned not to like pain and not to mm. want pain not, uh, and to reject pain. And yet, in actual fact, um, I know there's been quite a lot of studies done in hospices where they've used mindfulness to actually combat it. And if you actually focus on the bad thing, you focus on the thing that is bothering you ironically it becomes less of a problem it becomes less of an issue in their case they're usually talking about pain of course but um i have a friend who does work in hospice uh, well an ex-colleague who works in a hospice and they they are doing trials at this moment in time and they they're looking very positive but it's turning it on its head isn't it instead of trying to avoid it you actually embrace it you actually i'm going to hold on to this and I'm, to a certain extent i don't know whether i totally believed it but i thought i got really bad toothache so i decided i'd try it and i really practiced i practiced just focusing on the pain that this was causing me and ironically i think it's yeah you sit there and really focus on it it becomes less so yeah, well, you know, it's counterintuitive but rather than fight it you work with it yeah 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 it makes sense though in a way doesn't it if you like if you have got physical pain as soon as you start fighting that physical pain or it actually will make it worse yeah you feel it you feel it so much more yeah. than if you actually sort of embrace it and say right well, this is me this is part of me it's this yeah. other bit it's like going back to where we came in in a way what do i need what is me what is what do i need it's not the external stuff it's what do i need internally. Mm -hmm. sounds a bit spiritual but it's just holding on to yourself yeah 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 amazing brilliant that's been absolutely fascinating thanks so much chris and i plug my book as well <laughs> we were gonna yeah. say yeah <laughs> you've written a book i have a book of anxiety yeah, yeah we've got toilet. a copy upstairs <laughs> I read about this morning. And I, I read it the other day as well, actually. It's really good just to dip into as well. Um, uh, so where can we get hold of that book, Chris? Uh, Amazon. Yeah? Amazon, yeah. Um, uh, people, have been, uh, people have been really, really quite kind about it. They've said that they found it, uh, they found it very, really easy to use, very, very accessible. And they've been terribly complimentary about John's illustrations as well. They said they've really, it's really reinforced the message for them. It's yeah. made it so much more digestible for them. And I would like to say that also uh, all profits from this go to Wallview House in Stockport. So. Yeah, so it's all going to a good cause. But no, you're right. So John Cooper, he was a friend of mine and a stand-up comedian, illustrated the book. And I think you're it absolutely is. right. It does. It makes it much easier because it's such a tough subject. I mean, and his illustrations are really funny. Yeah, I mean, he, he, you know, we work quite hard on it, but I mean, some of his, I mean, some of his illustrations are just absolutely brilliant. I mean, they just sum up really difficult. I think we, I was looking for one in particular, really difficult concepts. 
mm. uh, sort of like the brain filling in the gaps sort of thing. And I mean, he came up with that, which I, which that, that illustration, which I just think is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. It's so imaginative, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's probably so important as well for anxiety, like what I said at the very beginning, like what does it actually look like? And obviously you can't see it, but having something illustrative, uh, like, he, you know, those, the cartoons massively yeah. helps people to actually understand it. And then even like someone that doesn't suffer from anxiety, who's got a partner who has, has anxiety, can pick up that book and then they actually really get to understand what it actually is. Mm. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a, the feedback has been has been very, has been really good. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm just pleased, you know, in a way, you know. Like I've said to you, I think, you know, before, I think the more people you can reach out and touch and help, then the better it is. And that was the brilliant Chris Taylor there, who you might have heard there, he's got a book out, The Little Book of Anxiety. You can catch that on Amazon uh, by Chris Taylor. And I highly recommend it. We've got a copy that we'll keep in the bathroom. Yeah, it's awesome. A little, well, we talked about it, didn't we? But um, amazing illustrations. Yeah. And just uh, really great. awesome. Very helpful. Uh, so, Adam, this week yep. you are on a social media detox. Oh, yeah, God, after my uh, meltdown. Yes, I've, I've, I'm, I, he's got to come off it now. I've, I've prescribed it for him, except I just caught him uh, on the Inland Sea Instagram page. <laughs> Is yeah. that a social detox, though? Well, uh, I'm, because that's just like a really nice space. The, the one that yeah. I'm... Uh, not going on is my personal Facebook and anything to do with the news because that's where I find the danger. Okay, so we can still find you on Inland Sea. Uh, yeah, because that's like nice, nice pretty pictures of people in the great outdoors. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Uh, lovely. All right, so we will catch you same time next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's do it next week. Okay. Bye.